What's up, y'all, and welcome to Tales from the Band Room podcast. I'm Dr. Jack Eady, a 19-year educator, and I've built strong programs in urban schools. I'm so proud of what we're able to accomplish in spite of the obstacles many of my students faced, and I want to share my story to help others face in similar situations. So I created this podcast to share tools and strategies I've learned during my career. Each week, the episodes will be real, raw, with a touch of crazy, but it's what I use to motivate and get the best out of my students. Thanks for listening. Now let's go. Welcome to episode five. Woot woot. We made it to episode five, y'all. Thanks for being such great listeners. I appreciate you guys leaving reviews and sharing the podcast. You guys are awesome. Today's episode is entitled Small Bands Don't Care, and our guests are Charles Connor out of North Las Vegas, Nevada, and Javon Pollard out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Small bands doesn't mean your band can't be great. It just means your band is smaller. So today, we'll dive into strategies that'll help smaller bands succeed. Now, that's enough of me talking. Here's the episode. Super excited to have you guys here today. So we'll we'll just get started with you guys just, you know, telling us who you are. And so we'll start with you, Charles. Well, uh, first and foremost, thanks for, you know, inviting me and having me on the podcast. Uh, who am I? I am a uh, just an individual that just loves music. I'm a family man. Um, I love sports as well, too. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to have uh, been teaching. This is uh, finishing up year 14 at the end of this year. Um, and I've had an opportunity uh, to teach uh, general music and then uh, high school band, you know, uh, throughout my career. And so, uh, again, just an individual that's really passionate about not only music, but helping kids become better individuals through the medium of music. Again, I'm Javon Pollard, um, originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, graduate of Southern University twice. I uh, received both my bachelor's and my master's from Southern University. I played in the band at Southern University. I am now in my 14th year uh, as well, band directing over at Bella High School. Uh, this is my seventh year there. I spent seven years at Astruma High School. And uh, man, I'm just really excited to be on here. Uh, I can talk about who I am all day, but that's mm-hmm. a short version of who I am. Oh, I have a son, by the way, Javon Jr., um, a future trumpet player in the making. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, I noticed you. You always gotta have that senior. I get it. I'm yeah, a, definitely. I'm, I'm a junior. I'm a junior myself. I was just talking with a friend of mine. So whenever I I, I type my name, I type in Jack A. Ed Junior, and so somebody don't put the A. I'm like, nah, we gotta have the A. They say, well, why? Right. Why you gotta have the A? Because my dad is Jack A. Ed, and I gotta, you know, honor him with his name, and that's why. Yeah, definitely. Right, yeah. So uh, Charles, you're a graduate of uh, North Carolina A&T, and Javon is uh, Southern. So what? What's some things? What's one or two things that you have taken from your college your your college education that has helped you become the educator you are today i would you know definitely say um not only being a graduate of aat but i'm also a graduate of fayetteville state university um so i got to attend two hbcus um and because of that 
I've got, I had an opportunity to experience um, music education or a band on a large scale and then with a smaller school. And so it really helped me develop, I I would really honestly say my pedagogy in terms of uh, developing a sound with a larger group, you know, and then being with a smaller group and being able to pull a quality sound out of a smaller group than what individuals would like or what they would hope for. And so, uh, you know, my experiences there as an undergraduate student definitely, you know, molded me into the success or the director that I am today. Okay. uh, For me, um, one of the biggest things that that, uh, one of my biggest takeaways from Southern University is it taught me how to persevere and taught me how to be patient. Um, When I first took over at Astruma High School, originally I was just told to, fill in the spot. Hey, man, we just go over there until something better becomes available. But uh, the one thing that that I learned from Southern University, especially in the in the music and the band department, was that, um, you know, you have to make do with what you have because in most cases, a lot of times, especially in the urban school settings, we're not going to be giving the keys to a, to a Lamborghini, you know? So you kind of have to do the best you can with what you're given. I, I like how, how how you said that. So going from, you know, these mammoth programs, you have these Lamborghinis, top, top-notch cars, and the ensembles are all great, and March Man is awesome. And then you go to your high school, and I know you're like, okay, well, I want, I want it to be a baby jukebox. And h- how do you settle in and say, no, I have to make this my own and make it the best possible thing we could, we could have it be? Well, for me, I knew going into um, Astruma High School that I didn't want to be a baby jukebox. Uh, the one of the hardest things to do is be a replica of, of something so popular. Uh, I pride myself on on trying to create my own lane because when you are um, trying to follow something like a certain university, the comparison is, is <laughs> there's there's nothing that you can compare to that, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. So what I wanted to do was just create a lane for myself. And I knew I had to start basically from the ground up. So just kind of creating a program that kids can call their own. I, I think that was one of the things that helped me. I wasn't pressured at Astruma High School because I knew anything that I did was going to be great because they didn't have nothing prior to me getting there. Awesome. Right. And, you know, I definitely can say I, I can agree with that. I know during my undergraduate North Carolina A&T and Fayetteville State University, I was able to uh, do a lot of shadowing to some directors in the area. And I remember one school specifically um, in Greensboro, North Carolina, you know, one of my uh, charter members for KK side was the band director there. And he was like, hey, look, come get these hours, you know. And so he invited me and one of my buddy, uh, Gary Bryant, that uh, does the spill drill design. And uh, so we went over there and we just got our observation hours and it was really like, here's the keys. And really the school didn't have anything, you know, they really didn't have anything. And in a matter of a semester, we were able to build a good concert band, a jazz band. And it, it really let me know that, hey, if I can do that here, you know, um, that that I could make it anywhere. And so uh, when I when I got my first full-time job, it was definitely the principal was like, hey, we need something different. What was been going on here at the school right now is not what we want. 
can you give our kids something, honestly, to be proud about? So coming in, you know, I knew that um, whatever I did moving forward would be uh, better than what was previously there. And, and so that, that was a really good feeling to be able to have that confidence. But then again, um, from my administration, but definitely it was, uh, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot of pressure, I would say, because they were expecting me to work some magic, <laughs> you know, very early, very early. And so, um, but I, I was definitely appreciative of having the support of my administration, you know, coming in initially as a beginning band director. It, it, it's crazy how, how those things how those things work out. So um, before we, we dive into the topic, can we talk a little bit about you guys' teaching experience? Just tell us about, you know, some of the places you've been, one or two uh, nuggets that you've learned along the way as well. We'll start with you, Javon. Okay, well, um, when I graduated from Southern University, the first job I took was at a Stroma High School, which is uh, located in Baton Rouge, which is about maybe eight minutes from Southern University. And when I took over that program, the year before I took over, they didn't even have a program at all. So pretty much the program was back to its um, starting stage. And what they wanted me to do was the first, uh, obviously when you graduate from Southern, when you go on interviews, the first thing they ask is, can you, can you make us a Southern University band? And I think what, uh, what helped me the most was uh, my level of transparency. I gave them a firm no I cannot create a Southern University here, but what I can create is a, a really good Astruma High School program. So how how were you, uh, this twenty one year old jet new in new into this area? And your administration say I want this. How are you so confident enough to just go to them and say, Nah, we can't do this. We need to do this. Okay, well, I'm a trumpet player, so naturally, trumpet players we have a different disposition <laughs> about ourselves. Oh Lord, here we go. Here we yeah. go. Uh, my age, although I was young, uh, you know, I always knew music was my ministry from from young on. So while I was young in terms of age, I was experienced in terms of uh, working with programs because, you know, again, in uh, the ninth grade, I knew I was going to be a high school band director, a college band director. Every summer I was working with programs and, it, you know, it was challenging, but it wasn't new. Um, I think the Struma High School, what the Struma High School did for me was it allowed me to kind of um, work out some kinks in terms of being a band director because now I'm on my own. You know, when you work with summer programs, you're not the man. So you're just, you're just dibbling and dabbling. But the Struma High School taught me how to be, it got me past my novice stages. And then after I left for Struma High School, I went into the same situation again at Bella High School. Now the unique thing about uh, when I went to Bella High School was everybody was like, man, you crazy. You built this comprehensive program why would you want to leave and i had already knew um the year before you know because i kind of saw it coming down the pipeline uh the school was um was taken over because it became a failing school and things of that nature so i kind of the writing was already on the wall and i wanted the assistant principals who were who was at astruma high school say hey man we have a we have a job open and it's very similar to what you did at astruma um and if you're up for the challenge man you know we'll definitely love to interview you and possibly bring you on. So I took the job at a, at Bella High School. One of the things that helped me out the most was pretty much 85% of my students from a student were transferred over with me. So oh, I didn't wow. really so much I didn't so much have to start over. It was a new program, but I didn't really have to start over because all of my uh kids, well, most of my kids transferred over over with me. That's a blessing. Yeah, yeah. God was God definitely showed favor. 
This section is called Beyond the Practice Room, and it's something non-music related that I wanted to share. And this week, I was going to go off about Steph Curry. You know, some people are LeBron stands, but Steph Curry is my favorite player in the league. And for the record, in the GOAT debate, I am always Team Jordan. Let me know on social media who you are. But I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the insurrection at the Capitol. We had these domestic terrorists mob the Capitol trying to prevent the certification of the election, which is idiotic in itself, but we're just going to move on. And I'm so happy to see that the world finally sees the unfair treatment of black people on such a big stage. And I hope everyone from the insurrection gets caught and thrown under the jail. And this just proves like, you know, we've made strides in this country, but now it's time to like go above and beyond to fix the issues happening all over the country. And I continue to pray that there is serious change on the horizon. But I have hope with a new president taking office soon, and I'm truly excited that America will be made great again. All right. Um, you know, uh, my story is definitely, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> different than most. I was in uh, definitely college a whole lot longer than what I should have been, um, you know, but um, everything happens for a reason. Totally and, uh, understand. You know, and my senior year, my senior year of college, I was uh, fortunate to, um, you know, to to serve in the leadership position at Fayetteville State University as a as a drum major. And so my classes, I only had a few classes in the evening. And then, of course, we had rehearsal, the education classes. And so I was like, man, I got all these ti- all this time on my hands. Let me see if I could find like a part-time gig in the district. And so my senior year of college, I was actually a full-time sub at an alternative school uh, located in Fayetteville, North Carolina. So that's where I was teaching general music. And, you know, of course, you know, we, oh, wow. you know, you know, we know the, 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 the alternative schools is really the schools for the kids that have been kicked out of the main school, you know? And so, uh, it was crazy. Uh, you know, I always tell my students, you never burn a bridge because you never know when you have to cross it again. The individual, the principal that interviewed me was my assistant principal in high school. He was the principal at that school. And so I walked wow. into the interview and he was like, Charles, he was like, I remember you. You were in the band, right? I was like, yes, sir. He was like, you ready to take this gig? You know, he's like, you didn't cause any trouble when you were in high school. He was like, you want a job? And that's really how my first professional interview went. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> so I was fortunate that I didn't get in any trouble, you know, too with in high school. I was just in the band and and you know and played some sports, you know, before I got really serious with music. But kind of like, you know, what I'm saying Javonna said, you know, uh, I always tell individuals that music found me versus the other way around. Like um, I was partly raised in North Carolina, and prior to moving to North Carolina, I was sports gun ho. You know, I played football and basketball at the varsity level as a freshman, and so I was just all sports. But then when I moved to the South, like I got bit by the band bug, you know, and uh, I was that kid that transferred. Excuse me, that uh, went from eighth grade to ninth grade and actually dropped band. 
I removed band. I remember taking my drop slip to the office, uh, showing my age, and had it filled out. And I was withdrawing <laughs> from band because it was just too much time. My dad was like, look, you got to, you know what I'm saying, decide what you're going to do because you're just all over the place. And so, you know, I knew probably my senior year, I told my high school band director, I was like, I decided what I want to major in. He's like, go ahead and tell me, you know, and I was like, I'm going to major in music ed. And he was like, man, I've been waiting for you to say it. You know, and so I and so we always, always say know. music, right, right. I always say music found me, but I, I started off in that um, general ed uh, position. I was working full time, but getting part time pay because I hadn't graduated yet. You know, I hadn't finished school yet. So they only called. So I and I was going to two different schools. And so at that school, we were able to I established a um, you know, I got some practice pads, some sticks. I said, what's the easiest way I could hook these kids? I was like, OK, drums, you know, beats, rhythm. And so we would get on the desk. We have the practice pads, get some sticks and just sight read and, and learn some things, you know, each and every day. And so that's how that started. And um you know, when I interviewed for my first director of bands position, which was at uh, Hope County High School, it's in a, a, a country town called Rayford, North Carolina, right outside of Fayetteville. You know, um, it's still the 910 area code, you know, but it's out there. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, it's, it's, it's good old boy country. You know, um, it's out there in the sticks. You know, the, the mascot of the high school is a buck. You know, because there's tons of deer and wildlife out there. You know, it's, it's real country. It's real Southern. But when I got there, you know, I sent an email to the principal and I said, hey, because somebody let me know, like, hey, there's a job opening. But it was one of those situations that they weren't blasting it out because they already had whoever they wanted in mind, which was the middle school director at that time. You know what I'm saying? To move up. And so I sent an email and he's like, hey, can you come for an interview tomorrow? I was like, yeah. So I went and did the interview and, and I kind of like, I'm going to be honest, like intercepted the position. You know, I came in, I interviewed, they love what they heard. And wow. uh, I never forget. And, and as an experienced educator, and you guys could probably attest as well, too. Typically, you're going to have your principal, of course, your assistant principal, maybe like, you know, another teacher or so. I had all administration, the athletic director, the superintendent, like I had a full boardroom of people in my first interview, like as a director of bands. And I never forget the athletic director asked this question and you can and you can you can you can kind of tell Fayetteville, North Carolina is a whole lot different now than what it used to be. We used to have majority of the schools that would follow our DCI model for bands. Right. And you had one school excuse me, two schools, but one school that was, uh, that followed our HBCU bands, which was E. Smith High School, which band director of Mr. Roosevelt Pratt, one of my mentors, he was the main school. Then my alma mater, Westover High School, was the second. Now, and so all the other schools were based off of your DCI bands. Now it's the opposite. Now all the bands follow our HBCU tradition, and there's only a couple of schools that follow the DCI model. So I say that because in my interview, the athletic director asked, said, are we going to be like this school or are we going to be like this school, which was a predominantly white school and the other one was a all black school. And I never forget he asked that question and I said, neither. We're going to be like us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Love and it. 
I didn't, you know, I just said it like organically, but I remember talking to uh, Mr. Tim Chambers, the band director at Fayetteville State at the time. He was like, man, that was the best answer that you could have ever answered. Any other answer would have put your foot in your mouth. Anyways, I was at Hoke High, uh, High School for uh, seven years. The current director that's there now, he, he used to teach at the middle school and he moved up to the high school. And every one of the middle school directors that are there, in fact, one just got hired today, one of my former students, they're all like my former students, you know, that work at the middle school and they feed into this one high school. And so it was a very blessed situation but beyond what I could imagine because it's a county school. You know, you have three middle schools feeding into this one school. And so I had on roster, and I know we're talking about like uh, small bands, but I was blessed with a huge band my first year. We had 136 on roster, but it started off with 30. It started off with 30 kids. And by the end of band camp, we were able to add some more kids. So a hundred more is not some more. (laughs) It was a it was a lot. I mean, we had to pull kids back that like had a sour taste about band. I was on the Ooh. phone. I was like in the uh, Walmart and like, hey, what school do your kid go to? Do they want to play? Do they want to play an instrument? Tell them to come to band practice tomorrow. Like we were just pulling kids in and it was a blessing. But, uh, you know, throughout my time there, we were able to start. We started off with like one concert band. Of course, the marching band, very small jazz band, but they had it in the curriculum. And then by the time that I left, we had two full concert bands, a huge jazz band, big band. And then the marching band, you know, uh, was still, you know, still still growing and building and doing great things today. Um, And so that was my first gig. But throughout that time, and, and again, I don't mean, I mean to be long-winded, but, uh, you know, I've been at three different, or really four with the general position. You good, man. You good. But, uh, I'm good. Okay, cool. Um, you know, that spring, i never forget the spring of 2015. I'm sitting in my office. I'm looking out of my office, and I'm looking, and I see, like, we had trophies lined up from wall to wall. But we had that two times over. Like, we had a storage unit with trophies in there from competition festivals and jazz and even just performances in the community and stuff. And I remember sitting there, I I felt like it was time. You know, I was like, I'm doing the same things over and over and over. The jamborees, bow the bands, festival, this, that, and the third. I just didn't feel that, you know, that I could do this again for another year. And it was crazy. One of my double frat brothers and, you know, former boss, former employee, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Uh, Christopher Goins, he was a uh, drum major at North Carolina A&T, and he happened to have a school in Chicago. And he called me and said, hey, look, we've been started this school. This is year two of the school. We're ready to have a band. You know, and uh, he actually graduated from Dudley High School in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, And he was like, I know how important it is to the school. We want you to come. And so they recruited me to come to the school in Chicago. That position was my title was founding director of bands, meaning that they didn't have a band program at all. And so it was like from its start from its infancy. I mean, ordering instruments. I mean, the band room wasn't even put together when I showed up. They were still putting carpet and other things. And so, you know, I had to use my knowledge from that previous seven years to outfit my kids, you know, to get them started, you know, and uh, we were able to build something special those four years and and teaching on the South side of Chicago. There's, there's nothing like it. 
I tell the, I tell everybody the kids there there there's some truly some diamonds in the rough you know I really I mean I miss all of my kids but my Chicago kids definitely hold a huge special place in my heart because typically in in a city um, well especially in Chicago they don't start band till ninth grade they don't start band till ninth grade it's crazy and so you're starting band in ninth grade but you have high school expectations at a lot of these schools. And, and, and a lot of people don't know that. And so, you know, I'm teaching out of essential elements and standard of excellence with freshmen in high school and they want to show on the field or they want that's, to band. That, you know? That sounds like the story of my career, man. Same. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's like, and, and, and the crazy thing was, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later, was just like, the whole thing in terms of uh, like understanding the curriculum, you know, I was always like in defense mode, just to be honest, because I was like, hey, I got to see my kids. I was so spoiled when I was in North Carolina and I saw my kids every day. I saw all of my ensembles, every one of my kids every single day and after school for rehearsal. When I was in Chicago, I was only seeing them for a couple of days a week. You know, and so it was like wow. it, it was definitely the grind. It was the grind. It was tough. Um, but we were able to build some things. You know, uh, I had to serve as not only the founding director of bands, but as the percussion instructor. So I was teaching drumline, uh, you know, stuff uh, to my kids and and, and just uh, getting them together. And, and so it was a great experience, you know. And then since then, I uh, moved out here to teach in North Vegas. Kind of the same situation, the band, excuse me, the administrator that was over the performing arts, he was like, hey, we want what the South has when it comes to band. Can you bring that to Vegas? You know, and I was like, hey, as long as you give me the support, we can make it rock and roll. And so uh, it was it was an offer I couldn't refuse. And it put me closer to some family. And so coming out here has been an experience. And and since then, we've had some uh, people in the area like ask questions like, hey, how do you get your band to sound like that or look like that? And so we're starting to build this like hub out here in in Vegas and it's crazy Javon and I we got a little history we were in Vegas together in 2003 on opposing sides you know the field when he was at Southern when I was at A&T yes and people still talk about that people still talk about that to this day they're like man we oh, remember wow. when y'all came here we like we want we want that out here all the time and and since then they've stopped the Las Vegas classic but it, it's something that the community really needs and and the older folks they they remember it you know because they don't get that all the time sometimes we're spoiled that was, you know that was a that was a huge event man for both schools definitely yeah. Actually, my first and last time in Vegas. Wow. Right, and that was the first time and last time I was in Vegas, like, when I, before I moved out of here. You know what I'm saying? It was 2003. I, lost, I think I lost $20 in the casino, and I was done, man. I <laughs> hey, look, I won 100 and then poured that 100 back into the slot machine and lost that. I was like, man, I'm done. I can't do this. <laughs> well, I do know Inquiring Minds want to know who won that battle, that game. Uh, Southern University. Oh God! We, 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 I got to. Do I got to pull up the YouTube clip? And he knows what one I'm talking about. No, not that one. <laughs> right? No, no, not that one. No, not that one. Now, I, I'll be honest, man. You know, it's crazy. Like, like I tell people again, I was in school for a long time because, man, we just had like 
great schedules, you know what I'm saying? Great schedules. And it was like, man, I want to do the next year. I want to do the next year. Like, and, and of course, you know what I'm saying? Having a, a program, you know, that has the story history, like Southern university, of course, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, kind of like people circling the schedule. They about to, they about to play MJ, you know what I'm saying? It's like, Hey, you, we, we got to get up for this. You know I mean? It was something that of course, you know what I'm saying? The band hit once. Yes. Are you saying that Southern University is the Michael Jordan of HBCU? See, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. I say, you know what I'm saying? I I say this, that, you know, definitely Southern University has has, has a long history of great band programs, you know, as we do as well, too. Because that's not the first time that we we caught Southern slipping. It, It happened in the 90s in Atlanta, Georgia. A long time ago that people don't like to talk about, but you know, it, it just always happens that way when we when we happen to 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 meet up with that group, it, it you know it's the it, it turns our in our favor, you know. So wow. <laughs> All right. Well, I would keep it moving forward. <laughs> but um, but no, I, I I love learning about my guests and you know, seeing how they've grown and become the directors uh, they are and you know you, you also can hear some of the same things that uh, everyone is similar around around the country i guess that means it's time to go band this segment talks about something i'm listening to that you should check out or something exceptional happening in the band world and today i want to give a shout out to my friend the one and only the grammy award-winning music educator of the year Mickey Smith Jr. and his Sound 180 group on Facebook. If you don't know about Sound 180, Sound 180 helps you discover your sound by developing the influence to inspire learners while creating classrooms that educate and elevate learners to excellence. I'm a part of this community and it is truly just an excellent community that educators, all educators should be a part of. Mickey gives tips and tricks and posts videos daily of helpful ideas that you can use in a classroom. You can learn to discover your sound on Facebook, find the Sound 180 Educators, and you can find more about Mickey Smith Jr. at MickeySmithJr.com. M-I-C-K-E-Y Smith Jr. J-R.com. If you have a go band you'd like me to shout out, tag Bandroom Tales on Twitter or email me at bandroomtales at gmail.com. So how do you like motivate your students to focus on the quality and not the quantity? And that could be the sound, it could be the individual people, it could be whatever you think it to be. How do you how do you motivate your students to do that? I would say, you know, for me is is exposure. I had an opportunity, you know, being right there in North Carolina to start off with, we had a lot of band events that we could go to, um, whether it was at our HBCUs, whether it was at a PWI, whether it's just a local concert or whatever. 
Um, even when I was in Chicago, um, they they had a, a series that was at um, you know uh, at Orchestra Hall downtown, and it was free tickets. And so, you know, to be honest, it was the first time that a lot of my kids had an opportunity to go downtown. Number one, but half of them had never been downtown before, let alone in Orchestra Hall, where you have you know uh, CSO and and some of the greats play there. Uh, Tennessee State brought their symphonic band, and it was really good for the kids to see people that look like them playing, you know, on this great stage. And so, uh, you know, just exposure to different sounds. And, and I would ask them questions like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And, and, and after a while, my kids were trying to plan our festival program before I got a chance to, to get started. They're like, hey, we need to play this song by Hulse or we need to play this song, you know, by, by by Robert W. Smith. Like, and I was like, hey, that's some good stuff. And so exposing them, I mean, you 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 never know until like you have an opportunity to experience something. Like I yeah, I knew of Mardi Gras and how amazing it was, but I didn't realize how deeply rooted it was in the community, you know, until I went as a senior. And and again, just kind of seeing that and experience that firsthand, you know, why this is so important and why it brings so many people here. And so just exposing my kids to just different sounds and different experiences on the musical side um, has definitely helped in terms of developing the quality that I desire out of the program. Awesome. And to add on to what you said about um, Mardi Gras, like, you know, it's it's crazy out here in the South, especially in the New Orleans and Baton Rouge area, like festival season, concert season. Mardi Gras has its own season, man. So, it's, right. you know, it's a big deal. You know, a lot of times it's frowned on what well, these guys doing all these parades. You know, good music is good music. You know, you know, expose the objective is to expose, to expose our students to good mm-hmm. music, right? So a lot of times, marching band gets a bad is it, it kind of gets a black a black eye because of the level of I guess camaraderie that comes with it and the the level of um, that was how how people extend the range of the instruments, mm-hmm. but Mardi Gras. Is its own season, and and if approached correctly, can indeed help your program for sure, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, and just to piggyback on, um, you know, with that, I had an experience. My uh, thesis for graduate school was on the history and impact of HBCU bands in America, and um, I attended of Vanderbilt College of Music, and which has hosted some of our legendary. HBCU band directors like Dr. Isaac Greggs, Dr. O'Neill Sanford, just to name a few. Um, and when I was talking about this topic in uh, one of my classes, you know, I had a uh, colleague that uh, classmate that reached out to me and he was like, man, I just I'm, I, I don't understand, but I want to learn more. He's like, how are the kids at a young age or, you know, a lot of the bands that attend Mardi Gras able to, like, they play with so much passion. And and I tell them, I was like, look, I was like, from teaching in Chicago and being down there, you know, um, for my Mardi Gras experience, I was like, this is, this is how these kids get out, you know, of 
the city and and go on to college and go on to other further great things. I was like, it's so deeply rooted and embedded in the community. I was like, these kids are playing for more than just a grade or playing more, you know, than just for a scholarship money. You know, they're, they're, they're playing with history, history, tradition and passion, like in their DNA. I mean, I remember seeing a kid march down the street with a Quaker oat box and a string attached to it and like two sticks and was just marching down the street, wow. emulating what he was seeing. I never forget that when I was a high school senior. And I was like, man, you know, all that kid wants to do is be in the band. And it's such an eye-awakening experience. And that's the same thing in Chicago. You have the Bud Billiken parade that's there. And kids, you know, dream of being on the South Shore drill team or being in one of those bands marching in the South Side of Chicago. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, man. it's amazing. I guess for me, man, growing up, uh, growing up in New Orleans, I grew up watching it my right. whole life. So while it means a lot to me, for other people, when they come to to the city of New Orleans, they're they're in awe. They're like, oh my God, how do you guys manage to do five, six parades with tubas and drums on and make it work? You know, um, and there's a there's an untold story about marching band that I hope somebody eventually taps into. I know we have the whole city gritty or the whole mm-hmm. uh, they, they did a documentary, and I may be saying the name wrong, but they did a documentary about just the band culture in New Orleans. Man, it's it's something out of this world. It's, it's yeah, I used to show it to my kids in Chicago. I'm like, man, these kids are just like you guys right here growing up in the inner city and dealing with a lot of the same struggles. And you see these kids out there, that's all they want to do. You know, I was yeah. like, band is not a hobby. I was like, band is 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 their life, is is what they've always wanted to do. And I was like, and when you can find a passion like that, I was like, can't nobody stop you from reaching your goals and what you want to do. And so I used to show that to my kids. That was part of my beginning band class in Chicago every year that I was there. Oh, and I would show it again to my seniors, you know, and I had an opportunity to meet uh, Mr. Rollins at Midwest, um, a couple of Midwest ago, the last time we were there. And I was just like, man, you know, uh, hats off, man. I, I, I applaud you for everything you've done for all of your kids there. And, 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 and I'm just, you know, this is my first opportunity teaching in the inner city. And, and, and I see, you know, I'm, I'm looking at you as an example, you know, and, and, and ways that I can build my program yeah. and, and protect my kids. You know, that's a whole nother thing with teaching in the inner city or with a smaller program, you know, is, is, is just, I mean, we all try to look after our kids, but you know, it's, 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 it's definitely a different monster when, you worried if your kid's going to show up to class the next day. So, Charles, talk a little bit about protecting kids. Like, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, again, I was, you know, partly raised in the South, but I was born in the city and, and you know, always traveled back to visit family and stuff. And so I've always been aware of certain things that that go, go that goes on in the inner city. But when I was teaching in Chicago, It was just a totally different monster. And I say that because our first game, the first year I got there, we just established the program and just try to get kids interested in band. The next year is when we started the marching band. Um, After we got kids, you know, aware of, hey, this is a trombone. This is a tuba. This is, you know, they, they knew nothing. And so the next year we started the marching band. And I never forget, we got done with the game. 
We had some band parents that made some food for the kids. I let them eat. It was a little tailgate kickback at Gately Stadium around the south side of Chicago. And not even 10 to 15 minutes in, you know, people started firing off shots in the air. And typically most games in Chicago, and I know it's like that in other cities, they don't have night games. They have them during the day. I I say all that that because I had to put things in place that this is when we start practice. We have to end practice at this time because I got to get kids on the bus. I got to get kids home and in their house before a certain time because when it gets dark, these some of these neighborhoods get real sketchy. Professionally, we don't take kids home, but we all do it, you know? And I don't care what anybody says. If I got to make sure this kid gets to his house and he's alive to make it to school the next day, I'm going to drop that kid off. I would just make sure that my kids, you know, were able to get home. If they had to go, like, hey, some of these kids were watching their baby brothers and baby sisters. And, hey, Mr. Kind of, I, you know, I got to get home, you know. And so, um, you know, I would just put things in place. I had individuals riding the buses together, um, you know, to get to different locations. But, hey, you ride with this person. You ride with this person. You walk with this person. Definitely don't let my ladies walk by themselves. Are you going to the bus? Okay, drum major's going with you, you know, or I'll walk yeah. with you after practice. Like, it was, it was. I had to extend, you know, my, uh, I, I guess, my reach because, um, you know, unfortunately, throughout my, you know, career, I've, I've had some situations where I've had students in practice with me one day and then the next week, you know, no longer living. And so um, it, it definitely takes the the um, responsibility as the teacher and as the band director or even the coach uh, to a whole nother level. And so uh, just kind of putting some of those things in place to really look out, look after my kids. I mean, I. I've I've taken kids' clothes home to wash, you know, because they were unable to wash clothes, you know. Um, That's right. And and you know, I mean, those are things that that, that people don't think about. I mean, I, now we're in the day and age of uh, you know, uh, Cash App, and and I I got students that are in college now that hey, Miss Connor, uh, the calf is closed, and I ain't got any money. Can you shoot me five bucks so I can go to Wendy's or something? You know, it's so it, it it never stops. You know, it never stops, and so uh, I, it's just I don't know extending that. I always say band directors were superheroes. You know, um, around our kids because we truly see what they're going through more than other teachers. Definitely. So uh, now let's uh, jump into some of the like the inside band, the the actual playing uh, stuff. I know, Javon, earlier you talked about using the method book in high school. I I know that for me, that was of the utmost importance, like because for me, my kids were uh, trash when 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 we when we first started and i had to trick my kids into using the method book to to get them on uh any kind of level so how how did you how did you use the method book or anything like that to to kind of help uh push your kids to the level that they want to be cuz we we know you know to s- someone who's been playing in band since 6th grade having con- a consistent education taking lessons all this other stuff you know our kids don't get all that they may come to high school with no experience and we got to catch them up in 2 weeks um and so w- what are some things you guys would do to kind of 
kind of make that happen? I did a lot of, and I, and I still do actually from time to time, not as much as I used to, but I did a lot of demonstrations um, for my kids. Cause I, I, I think if a kid can hear what a good tone is, you know, it will definitely help them out. So in the very beginning of the school year, with all of my classes, whether it be beginning, middle, or um, advanced level. Actually, let me say this. I have no true classes, right? All of my classes are kind of mixed in, right? <laughs> um, the, the way my classes are set up, obviously I have uh, advanced, intermediate, and beginning level kids all in the same class. So in terms of method books, I kind of have to break my class out. Uh, if you think about the when we have Zoom now, I kind of have to bring uh, break the classes up. So I break it up. We have 90 minutes. Um, and right now, in terms of books that we're using, um, obviously my beginning band kids, um, we're still using Standard of Excellence because I just like that book for beginners. And mind you, although my beginning band students are uh, high school age, in terms of playing, they are not high school uh, level musicians because I right. they have zero they have zero experience with playing. So I have the beginning band students and the standard of excellence. Now some people say that that book is outdated, but it works well for my students. So obviously we have to do what works for us, right? Um, That's right. My more advanced students, um, most of them don't take band classes because a lot of them are are, are either an AP course or some other course that does not allow them to take band. Um, so that's what that hurts us a lot. So we do a lot of virtual lessons. Obviously, my trumpet players, I highly encourage books like the Auburn books, Clark Studies, things of that nature. But in terms of like a book that the actual ensemble uses, obviously we cite read out the 150 exercise books. We use um the um, superior sounds, things of that nature. So we're using all those method books. But again, what works for us is I kind of keep the kids engaged because I keep, I make it competitive for them. That has helped my program tremendously. Um, and it's not competitive in terms of who's sad or who's good, but it's, it's competitive in terms of, okay, guys, this is the level we need that you should be on at this point. Let's see who can get to this level. So all the kids are competing within themselves, trying to make sure, okay, if we're playing on page five and we need to be on page eight, I know I have some work to do, right? So I know I need to go home and do some additional rehearsals. Um, and right now, obviously, with uh, the pandemic and, and us not not us not being able to really service our students how we want to, we have to be even more creative now. So just coming up with creative ways. Uh, we've, we've been doing virtual sight reading lessons. We've been doing virtual A2s. Um, man, it's, it's, whatever I can get my hands on is helpful. We've been pretty much trying and making attempts to use it. Yeah. Um, you know, when it when, when it comes to um, method books, uh, you know, I've been uh, fortunate to, I don't know, I, I've always thought of like meeting my students where they are. A lot of times we get kind of fixed like okay we got to go this book we got to try this book and and there's some books that are uh, stand the test of time like uh treasury of scales for an example you know i used to use that religiously my first few years and then i stopped and then i never forget one day i'm like this band doesn't sound like my band and i was assessing what i was doing that wasn't getting the sound that i was just used to and i was like man i really stopped working through this treasury of scale book. And so we kind of got back to basics, but um, I've, uh, um, you know, 
used uh, I Recommend before, uh, definitely uh, Standards of Excellence. Uh, went to Essential Elements when I was teaching in Chicago um, and starting right from the beginning, because that was the book that I started with when I was uh, in uh, sixth grade. And one of the individuals that helped write that book, Charles McGinney, he's the band director emeritus at Vandercook. And, you know, I remember when I met him, I was like, man, can you sign this book? <laughs> you know, and uh, I was like, it's crazy. I was like, I played this book in the in the 90s, you know, late 80s, early 90s. You know, it's crazy. And so I've used those books, but I, I going to conferences, I always try to ask like band directors, like, what are some things that you're doing? And I stumbled upon the sound innovation books you know, years ago. And, and, and I loved it because, especially for beginning students, because like for the first few pages, it's all long tones. It's all long tones. Like I found myself like making adjustments in some of the other books um, and saying, hey, we need to be playing long tones before we start articulating a quarter note articulating an eighth note or some of these other things. And so um, I've always tried to, you know, build that I would put on the board, okay, period one got to this point in the book today. So then the next period we see they're like, oh, we got to get to yeah. this one. You know, like at one time I kind of did like race cars or something and had them like, you know, like a, like a, a kind of like a data chart because that's one thing administration loves data, you know, and they would be able to visually see, you know, like where each group was. And, uh, you know, I would, if it was, classes like certain classes i would always you know i i love to eat and so i a lot of my classes my students they know that and i would motivate them by saying hey the class that can get to this first i got you we doing pizza we doing something you know just finding some ways to to motivate them and 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 fortunately food worked for a lot of my kids yes, <laughs> you know they like to eat, and so uh, we'll we'll get some pizza. We'll do something. Uh, my jazz band. They were the first period that I had in the morning in the spring when I was teaching in North Carolina, and so I would bring them breakfast after we would like nail a chart. You know, I'm like, look, if we nail this chart after we work it up, I mean, I'm talking about solos, written solos, improv, everything, and so they had to do some shedding, and they knew if if they would put in the work that I'd have some McMuffins or, or something <laughs> for them, you know, and it got to the point that I was like, all right, we got to space this out because they were eating up music, just like they were eating up that breakfast. I'm like, man, we didn't went through like three or four charts in a week. I was like, no, <laughs> I was like, now my little old paycheck, you know, so we gotta <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool, man. <laughs> we got to space it out a little bit. So, I mean, those are just little things that I've done. One time I think to save money, I brought like a um uh, a griddle and we like we made pancakes and stuff Love like it. that, yeah. you know, because that, that was a little bit more cost effective, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, just, just trying to find ways that you gotta find that angle on what motivates the kid, what brings them to your man room every day, you know, and and when you can do that, then you can kind of tweak things. You know, sometimes it's little things like that, but then eventually it ends up being about the music. They're like, hey, what are we playing today? You know, what are we going to play today? Yeah. And, you know, talking about the music, what's what's like one thing that you had to do to get the kids to want to play the music? I don't know if your kids were like mine, but they did not want to play concert music. It was something about oh. concert music that just made them think, <laughs> oh, my God, disgusting. Why, why we got to do this? Right. 
I think it's so, just to jump in. I think it's like the selection. Like as directors, we have to be intentional with what we're programming for our programs and for our kids. And and so I try to find pieces like I, I, I you know, when I was in North Carolina, I was blessed with a huge percussion section, and they were also in band class. And so I'm like, all right, I'm about to find some Hazo because I know Hazo is going to give me what these kids want in the drum section. And they would hear because Hazo will put all these big, I say drum features in the middle of these concert works. And the kids were like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. Like, you know, and so I would I was like, OK, I got to have a Hazo. I got to do this. So I would like pick things that would like feature different sections, you know, of the band. But it's definitely different ensembles as an acquired taste. And like Javon said, like. I had a high school band director that if you couldn't play it, he'd pick up your horn, sometimes not even wipe off the mouthpiece and go in. And you'd be like, God, this guy sounds better than me, me, you know? And so um, I would always admire that, you know? And so in my band room, I would always, I have my, my trombone, I have a trumpet, I have a tuba, a sax, like up there or emulate Kobe, you know? And so it should be like that, emulating Wynton Marcellus or emulating, you know, Arthur Pryor. Like, but in order to do that, we have to, you know, they have to be exposed to what that quality tone is and, and what that music is. And it's just important that we, we intentionally uh, select music for um, our programs that will help grow and, and, and just kind of wet their whistle in terms of uh, creativity. Uh, there's a lot of... I remember one year we did the typewriter and, you know, the typewriter has that, that's the percussion that's featured that sits right out in front of the band. And they're like, Oh, this is cool. Like I never thought I was like, man, concert band could be whatever you want it to be. Jazz band. You can be what it's, whatever your imagination will take you. We don't have to, you know, sometimes, I don't know. There's always the the standard pieces. And I used to be one of those directors that, oh, we got to play host. We got to do this. We got to, you know, um, I, we got to do that. But I, I started to step out and, and do some more, um, I would say some 21st century pieces and and really just uh, push the envelope. And, and that's always helped with my programs is just kind of having a, a healthy mix, you know, a buffet per se. I think, I think, Charles, I think you pretty much nailed nailed that question. I I believe that, as you stated, man, you have to be intentional. And more importantly, your kids are going to let you know <laughs> if they're into that tune or not. Not that, you know, and a lot of band directors, we have to get out of that uh, is my way or the highway because ultimately we service the students, right? If they don't like it, they don't like it. Um, so I think you nailed it, man, that, uh, that question, uh, man. So you did a great job of answering that. And, and uh, Jack, I, I, I have the same sentiments as Charles on that one. You just have to find literature that's going to be appealing to these students, especially now because they, are, they have these smartphones and they have so much at their fingertips. Right. So definitely finding music that, that's suitable um, and also find music that's challenging because you don't want to, you don't want the kids to peak too fast too. So you want to find something that's going to give them a little, um, a little challenge, make them go home and practice a little bit. Well, it's story time. In this segment, we'll talk about some of the most interesting and crazy stories that has happened to me in my career. From fitting too many people in my car to having my band students perform a football game after a football game, you don't want to miss this segment. 
Yeah. Um, my first day on the job at Astruma High School, um, the assistant principal and the uh, head boys basketball coach, which is my frat brother, by the way. I don't think he even knew he was my frat brother at the time. But, man, those guys put a bet on me, man. They bet on how long it was going to take the kids to run me gone. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, but keep in mind, man, when I, when I got to Astruma, man, I was uh, probably... 40, 50 pounds lighter, maybe. I ain't have a beard at the time. You know, I ain't have no facial hair, no nothing. So, in their minds, you know, because the school was so um, rough at the time, they thought that it was going to be too much and the kids was going to run me gone because, you know, I came to the job interview. Of course, I had a suit on because that's what we wear, right, to the job interviews. Um, and, um, yeah, man, so two days into the job, the boys basketball coach came in the band room and said, man, you still here? He said, man, uh, we thought you'd be gone by now, man. We put a bet on your head. So, man, you know, now, I, now, man, it's funny to me. You know, then I was like, oh, man, it's kind of messed up. But I guess that would be one of my funny stories because uh, I can laugh about it now because I ended up out. Um, I stayed longer than both of them. So, man, uh, well, you know, I was thinking about this question and I was like, man, I got so many. But one of them that sticks out Um was when I was in North Carolina, you know, we're getting ready. It was my first competition as, you know, as a director of bands. And, you know, I was just like, man, we got to keep running it. We got to keep running it. And so there happened to be an away game on that Friday. I was like, man, can we get to the stadium? And so I didn't ask anybody, you know, I was like, hey, the stadium's open, let's go. You know, and so we went to the stadium. We, I didn't know how to turn on the lights for the stadium. And so we had cars on the track and lights <laughs> on lights onto this onto the field. Um it had just got done raining. And you know, so we're out there and and we had a rotation, 16-16 rotation in the middle of our show in the drill. And one of my tuba players he was there one minute and then he was gone the next. He stepped and he thought it was a puddle, but it actually was a hole. And all we saw was like the tuba bell. And he was, yeah, he was he was in this hole, this mud hole that was in the middle of the field. And it was, I was like, oh my goodness. Cause it was like, he disappeared and, and we were able to get him out and everything was good with him and the horn. You know, uh, but it was definitely a, a, a funny moment. I mean, he was drenched with mud and water, and but the kids like turned up after that. You know what I'm saying? They're like, yeah, like this is what it's about. And so, uh, you know, we, we we had a good moment. But I, I remember some parents looking at me crazy, like, all right, this this is getting this is getting crazy out here. You know, but uh, it was definitely a funny story. And and him and I, we every time we see each other, we still talk about that. I was like, you remember when you you fell in a hole to China? He's like, yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that guy disappeared real quick. And he wasn't a small guy. He was a big guy, too, you know. So, uh, yeah, that was funny. If you have your own crazy story you'd like to share, tag us on Twitter or Facebook at Bandroom Tales, or you can email us at bandroomtales at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love it, and I love it when... Uh, I'm I'm always that person. I always put a little too much, too challenging uh, music in front of my kids sometimes. And oh yeah, they may not understand it or get it, but I'm like, now nah, we're gonna learn this. We're gonna grow together, and we're gonna see how 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 it all how it all works out.
It's um, funny you say that um, because I remember the first piece I selected for my first band on the first day in class was the Thunderer. Yeah. And, you know, because I'm a march guy, you know, I'm a military brat. I was like, man, Thunderer, we're going we're gonna to nail this piece. And after that downbeat, <laughs> you know, in the first few measures, I was like, all right, I, I got some work to do. Let me. Let yeah, that, that, that sounds like me and Golden Jubilee. I was like, <laughs> I thought I, <laughs> it didn't work out how I thought it was. Oh, <laughs> so let me back down a little bit, you know, work yeah. building blocks. <laughs> so now let's talk about the um, the outside outside band kind of things. Um, I know for me, one big thing I had to do was like we, we talked about the whole pride thing. Uh, a big thing for for them was you know learning how to get over the fear of going against a bigger band. What are some things you did with your kids to to get them to own what they're doing? I know for me, I just had to be like we're the Oak Ridge band and we're only going to be the Oak Ridge band and we're going to be the best band we can be. Period. And whatever they do across the way ain't got nothing to do with what we what we do across the way. Um, for me, because where I am, we are uh, big on battle of the bands and things like that. Um, I just try not to have my kids so much worry about first, second, and third place. Um, although I did more than they probably did. Um, what I did um, in terms of going up against bigger bands, um, I guess the simplest way to say it, you know, we just kind of put them out there, you know, and we express to them that, as you said, Jack, we're going to do our individual best. And that's pretty much all we can focus on because once you get out in public and, and, you know, um, you perform, that's what it is. You know, you go out there, you do your individual best and you let the chips fall where they fall. But, you know, um, although bands can be bigger, that doesn't necessarily mean they can outwork us. You know, you may be bigger, but in terms of our work, and we're going to work just as much as any other band out there, you know. So um, we 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 pride ourselves on that. And I don't really think uh, we were ever really just scared uh, of bigger bands. Uh, actually, we actually embraced that. We looked forward to doing that. Almost like the kind of like the David and Goliath story, right? So we was kind of excited about going up against the bigger bands. Yeah, um, you know, I, I definitely try to encourage my students to, you know, I always say, I was like, look, the field's 100 yards no matter where you go. You know, it's 100 yards, it's it's green for the most part. Now you got some other stadiums <laughs> doing some different things. I was like, but it, it, it's 100 yards no matter where you go. And I always, again, just preach that quality over quantity. And, you know, uh, Mr. Chambers at Fayetteville State used to say it all the time. He was like, nobody else could do your show. You know, nobody else could do your show. You can like do your that. only show. Yep. And so um, just just try to, you know, I'm saying instill that in the kids. Sometimes it's tough. You know, uh, we did a national competition and there was a, a a group from Stone Mountain, Georgia, that went on the field right before us. And they have a really good sound. And some of my kids are like, I was like, hey, this is what we this is what you get up for. You know what I'm saying? I was like, this is what you yeah. get up for. You know, you 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 want to play against the best or you want to play against, you know, that's what's going to make you better. And and so, you know, uh, you push forward, you take your lumps and, and you get better the next day. And I think a lot of what, what you guys are talking about is the stuff that you do inside your four walls 
Like it's it's almost like you're you're pumping them up for you're hyping them up for the challenge because if if you don't, they're they're not going to they're they're not going to live up to to the task. And so you you have to be their hype men. Uh, for me, my program, you know, we were a smaller program, but we always had a big sound. And I would always preach to my kids, you know, a good tone travels farther than anything. If you, if I was you guys, just about to say that an in tune sound. Yep. If if you guys playing with an in tune sound, that would be louder than anything, and people would always come and they would be so shocked when they heard my band play. I'm like, no, it's just it's just because you're playing with good tone, good technique, and you are letting loose. And and I preach that. What's one sound thing that you encourage directors uh, to do with with smaller bands uh, that has helped you? Play for your numbers. Play for the size group you have. Um, even if you, you know, a lot of times these guys, in terms of marching band, we, they try to get these college arrangements. Well, the college band director wrote that them songs with university bands in mind. So, um, if you have three trumpet parts, two mellophone parts, and so forth, so forth on, it's very hard to imitate those sounds. And I think a lot of small bands go wrong because they try to sound like a big band, opposed to really, really de uh, defining the sound of your group. You know, if you have 40 people, 30 people, or uh, whatever, you need to sound like 30 or 40 people versus trying to sound like 60 or 70. And I think that's one of the biggest issues that smaller bands have is they want to have the big band sound. So then students start to do what I call uh, bastardizing the instruments because now you're overblown. <laughs> That affects tone, tones affects tuning, tuning affects, uh, that affects timing. And then now we have all type of different issues going on. So that's my my thing on the, um, if you if your band is small, play for the size band you have. Right, Especially yeah. drummers, especially drummers. Oh, yeah. Drummers. <laughs> Man, you be having a total of 30 horns and 20 drummers and all you hear, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> now we have a problem. Right. You know, I mean, we I'm sure we've all, you know, preached with our programs, you know, balance and blend. Um, and and I just really uh I call it the 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 Beyonce and them concept, meaning that who's Beyonce? I always ask that. Who's Beyonce? And that's you know, the melody, the lead part. And I ask that all the way down to I the like last that. drummer, Beyonce and them, meaning that Okay, there's Kelly, there's Michelle, you know, there's all of them. There was a, a girl named Farrah <laughs> that was in Destiny's Child a long time ago. I was like, but when Beyonce steps on that stage, it's all about her, you know? And so I was like, who's Beyonce? And so, you know, I'm constantly, I do that so they can listen. And so, um, but like Javon said, it's just finding like, writing for the strengths and for the instrumentation of your group. When you have a smaller band, you've got to, you got to be creative, you know. I've put some some trombone harmonies in my saxophones before, you know what I'm saying, to kind of just give some depth. Um, if you got one tuba, that one tuba's got to play like one tuba, you know, and not try to play like 10. And 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 when they get that and, and understand that concept, um, then, you know, we can have this, uh, this well-balanced meal, you know, uh, like I like to say. Oh, yeah. So... With marching band, uh, I was big on leadership, and that was super important to me. I didn't have the means to have a staff or a full staff, so my leadership team was my staff for the band. So I had to teach them how to be 
great staff members and great leaders while I also had to teach the band how to be great followers or how to be great team players so they can learn how to work with the leaders. What's one, one little tip or trick you can, you can share about, you know, the leaderships of your program? I was, I was brought up in the, in, in, in the mindset as a, you know, a student leader when I was in high school and then all the way up through college that, you know, we have to exemplify the instruction and the expectation of the band director, whether it's musically or any of the um, the tasks that are, you know, put before us. And so, you know, I, I, I always express, you know, to my leadership team that if I can't be out there on the podium or out there on the field, we should still be able to function and carry rehearsal on. And so, you know, starting off, I was like, you have to observe the things that I'm doing as a director or a staff member of what we're doing. Or if you don't have a staff, exemplify the things on how we, the routine, what we do every day, the, you know, and how we meet these goals. Um, and, and I've been blessed to have, you know, students that uh, will say, and Mr. Connor, we we got it today, you know, and they'll run the warm up, run the show, and 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 the stand tunes, and sometimes I don't even have to leave the office, you know, um, and and they know that I'm gonna open that door real quick if I hear something <laughs> that I'm not supposed to hear or things are not going like now you know that's not right, and so just by staying on them early with those expectations eventually they'll, they'll, they'll get it, you know? And, and, and I think that builds that pride that we're talking about, you know, when they're like, Hey, we're, we're doing this, you know, I always tell them we're always going to be as great as, as, as you want to be. I can lead you there, but it's up to you guys on how good we're going to be. And for me, I do a lot of the, uh, the same things that Charles mentioned and what we do with our leaders, with our leaders, uh, we do a, um, a week long leadership camp. Mm-hmm. And in that leadership camp, we have them play out different scenarios um, things of that nature. So our, our leadership camp helps us out a lot. So that just in preparation of the school year. Um, and what we also do is uh, we one of the things we teach our leaders is to be firm but fair because a lot of times, especially with high school students, they have their friends in the band. And once a kid see where well, you let little Johnny get away with it, then you start to kind of lose your credibility with the students. So just teaching the student, teaching the student leaders, um, how to be that. You know, and understand that you're not always going to be the most liked person in the band. Because a lot of times the leaders, I find, they want to be accepted by their peers and liked. So just teaching them how to be that band director when the band director is essentially not around. And and what we do is um, sometimes throughout the course of the year, we'll pretend to leave on purpose, you know, just to see if they're implementing some of the things we did during leadership camp. I mean, sometimes we even have kids to, to become actors. Hey, I need you to go in the band room and do this for me. Because we want to see if what we're teaching is sticking and if you're actually applying it. So um, we, we've had some some moments um, that we really enjoy seeing with our leaders and some moments that mm, we've got to go back to the drum board with that. But for the most part, uh, we do a lot of what uh, you, uh, both you and Charles mentioned. And uh, I think implementing that early summertime leadership campus has helped us out tremendously. Those leaders to understand, okay, we're all going to be one body with, you know, several uh, moving parts, but we're going to work together and we're going to collectively do what's in the best interest of the band and not the best interest of our friends. 
Well, that's that that's that's great, and I know we can't do any of this without our administration and our, our community support. And I was blessed with an administration that she saw that I had a great relationship with my kids and that I cared about them. And so she treated me like her son. And so she saw value in my program uh, because of that. So how do you get your administration and community to see the value of your program beyond the numbers that they see? Mm. It's a good question. Um, I know for me, um, you know, I always tell my students that, because of course, you know, we want the band to grow, right? And so when you're dealing with a smaller program, I always tell them your, your performances are always going to be your best recruiting tool, but also it's going to send that message loud and clear to all the administration and to the community. You know, um, if you can have a quality performance and people really see that you're invested in terms of what you're doing, I, I, I've always had a a, a a good way of kind of uh, winning over my administration in terms of what I'm doing with my program, just based off of the energy. You know, I, I've had an administrator tell me, he was like, man, the band walks around with their chest stuck out bigger than the football team. I was like, yeah, because it's all about the band, you know, and and um, when you have those performances and 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 you have community members that are calling like, hey, like you guys did a great job or you have community members like, hey, are you guys going to the away game this weekend? Like that, you know, it's a good feeling. And I always make sure I tell tell my students like when those things happen. Um, and so, uh, again, it's it, it's just your your administration is going to support you if they know that your kids are truly invested, you know, in your program, if they know that they're invested and then you as a director really care about your kids, the administration, I mean, that's, that's what they're in the game for, you know what I'm saying? Is having a, having a school that, or having programs that are, that, that are making the school um, known, you know, throughout the state and throughout the country. And, um, um, and what, what I do is from with my administration, I make everything a big deal, right? Everything we do is a big deal. If the band, the kids do well in the field, I'm putting it on the morning announcements because I want to keep our brand in your ears and in your face. I want the administrators to always hear about the band. Uh, Mr. Mr. So now it's at the point now where they're asking, Mr. Pilot, you have any morning announcements? You have afternoon announcements? What's going on with the band? So I think, um, you know, just kind of making everything a big deal and one of the other things you can also that we do is um, sometimes before the administrators here, the communities, the community members are talking about it. So now the administrators kind of have to, you know, make a move on it because the whole right. community is involved now. So, you know, every now and then, man, you know, give your kids a shout out on social media for the things that they're doing positively. So when the community people start sharing and it gets back to the administration where well, they have to act on it because everybody else has made it a big deal. You know, I just think that, and also, you know, just keeping the administration happy, you know, making sure the kids are, are, are not doing nothing too um, out, of, out of the box. And, um, you know, also, again, going back to the parent, man, my administration, whatever the band wear, I make sure they have custom yep. signatures. Whatever I Everyone. do. Everyone, yeah. That's the, the first person I'm giving it to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. So, you know, you got to keep them. You got to keep them happy as well, you know, and um, that's, you know, that's kind of what we do. You know, my principal, 
because her son is a band director. You know, she's kind of in the fold of what goes on in, in, in the band world. Man, I, I, I hate to see uh, this come to a close because, <laughs> man, you can just tell you, you guys just have such a wealth of knowledge. And I know the listeners are going to love uh, to hear what you have to say. But my, my final question to you guys is going to be if you can give one piece of advice to a young teacher, what would it be? Um, if I if I can give one piece of advice to a young band director graduating, I would definitely tell them to make sure they're organized. And I would definitely encourage them to document everything um, for, for, you know, just for them. And, man, I would tell them to, um, I guess the biggest advice I would give them, stay encouraged, man, and just, you know, keep keep chipping at it, you know. As we, as we say in, in the band world, you know, poco a poco, you know, just keep chipping at it. Right. You know, I definitely agree with all of that. Um, I, I definitely would encourage, you know, uh, future band directors to remember that every decision that you make, if you do it within the best interest of the student, you'll never make a wrong decision. The next thing I remember my first superintendent told me, if you're in it for the money, you need to change your job. You need to change your profession. This is the wrong profession for that. Um, And then lastly, that instrument that you don't play well, you need to rent one. You need to have it underneath your desk. And when you're in prep period or when you're at home, instead of picking that video game up or whatever, you need to woodshed. Learn along with your students. Uh, It's crazy we're having this conversation today. One of my former students is now a band director. He just got a new job and I I, uh, did his reference for him. I remember him playing saxophone and I had never played saxophone before. And I was so mad that they didn't learn a part. And I said, hey, I'm going to learn this before Friday. If I know it before you, then you're going to meet me outside and we're going to hit these laps at the track. And I was like, man, I've never. That's right. Since method, since uh, Woodward Methods, I hadn't picked up a saxophone and I shed it on that piece. My lip was killing me. But you best believe on Friday I had it tight and they had it really tight. And now both of those saxophone players, they're band directors now. And so, uh, again, I just encourage the instrument that you don't play, which your weaknesses, you got to you, you got to make them strengths because that's a tool that you can really use in the band room is, is being able to pick out and help that kid and teach them that fingering because you know it yourself versus you looking it up in a book. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All right, do you guys have anything you want to plug? Every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, we have Band Talk, um, where we go live on, on all our social media platforms. And, man, we just take about an hour or two, and we really dive into some some issues that we are faced with um, being, being band directors, you know, in, in general. Um, and also, man, I just want to um, plug in teaching. Teaching in the Trenches Workshop is back. We're, we're working on some really, really cool things for that. And hopefully we can get Jack Eady and Charles Connor on this year. Yeah, of course. Yeah, man. So, um, Javon, where can we find these things? Uh, it's going to be on my social media platform, um, uh, my Facebook, obviously. Um, and the Teaching the Trenches is coming. Um, we're going to be posting some information about that. But um, in terms of our band talk, 
it's all over facebook uh instagram uh, we're gonna be live streaming tomorrow on youtube as well at 8 p.m um so man definitely support that is it and, uh, so do they just find it under your name on those yeah things? go to my page and be on my page and then i want to give a shout out to all the who that nation out there man the saints fan who that black <laughs> and gold to the super bowl all right um i definitely want to uh first and foremost plug um Vandercook College of Music, the master's program, the summer master program that's there is is phenomenal. Again, there's some legendary HBCU um, band directors that uh, walked those halls years ago. And, and for a full-time band director that if you're wondering like, how can I, you know, pursue this master's degree, but I'm teaching all the time, the summer program gives you a great opportunity uh, to further your education, tons of online classes, and it's great to be in the in, in, in the shy during the summer. It's beautiful weather, beautiful food, beautiful festivals, and and it's a, it's a it's a definitely a, an elite experience um, for the music educator that wants to be a better music educator. You know, we pride ourselves on um, music education more than anything, and so I definitely want to plug that um next uh you know myself and dr rodney chisholm we started the arrangers challenge last spring we were actually like kind of the first you know uh like facebook censored you know um arrangers challenge and and there's been some other ones pop up and and i think it's all great and and so uh you know we definitely want to we're gonna gonna bring that back again you know um in the spring and and give individuals opportunities to not only showcase their arrangements but hear from some uh you know great music educators and get and get some quality feedback um you know well we we had no idea how much it would uh, blow up and, and it blew up really good so uh and uh and definitely shout out to um the las vegas raiders out here raider nation i'm a converted raider fan now <laughs> since, since, since the panthers let go of uh, cam newton and i will never root for the patriots so i i, I you know that's right right so uh, i'm a raider nation out out here and, and and we and we love our team and the the stadium is 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 beautiful. It's a beautiful stadium. Uh, we're hoping to be the first band to play in that stadium. We've already put that information and that stuff in roll in, in motion. So hopefully we can get out there real soon. Well, I really want to thank you guys so much. Uh, for sharing um, with with the podcast, um, it, it's it's awesome, and you guys are just great. And if you don't know anything about uh, Charles Connor or Javon Pilot, please look them up uh, because they they're doing really really great things, and they have a lot to offer to our profession. Man, thanks for having us on, man. We uh, definitely appreciate you. Yeah, definitely. Thanks a lot. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode, Small Bands Don't Care. Continue to realize that some of the small bands are the best bands in the country, so don't sleep on small bands. Teachers of small bands, continue to hold your students to high standards and put out great products. On our next episode, we're going to talk about what the textbooks didn't teach me. And we're going to have William Irving from Baker, Louisiana, and Marcus Morris out of Spartanburg, South Carolina. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Tales from the Band Room. Check us out on all social media at Band Room Tales, or you can email your comments or questions to bandroomtales at gmail.com. Please like and subscribe to our daddy's podcast and leave a review. You can find out more about this podcast at talesfromthebandroom.com. Music by my Phi Beta Sigma line brother, Jason, Classic Beats Menace. Go Mob! These episodes are edited by Michael Tabone and Adam Siegelman. Thanks for listening. Make it a great day or not. The choice is yours.